Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as promised, uh, we are very pleased to be joined today by Pulitzer Prize winning columnist from the Washington Post, New York Times bestselling author, uh, and one of the great thinkers uh, of our day, George Will, joins us today. Thanks for joining us, sir. Glad to be with you. Well, I'm going to start with a little Daniel Webster today, just because that's always a safe place to start. <laughs> he he once yeah. said uh, before a, a debate in Congress, he said, Mr. President, when the mariner has been tossed about for many days in thick weather on an unknown sea, he naturally avails himself of the first pause in the storm to ascertain where he is in relation to his desired course. Let us imitate this prudence before we float on the waves of this debate to refer to the point from which we departed that we may at least be able to conjecture where we now are. <laughs> and that's why I've called you onto the program, Mr. Will, is to uh, help us understand from a conservative principles point of view, where are we? Well, I think the country uh, was uh, took a long time waiting to exhale, but I think it did uh, last Wednesday noon. And now where we are is back with normal politics. Uh, we're arguing about the stimulus. The Democrats want too much. The conservatives are back in their assigned role in life, which is to be the reality principle. And uh, say there's, you know, it's been well said that uh, the first rule of economics is that scarcity is real. And the first rule of politics is to ignore the first rule of economics. Uh, so re- Republicans are, are, I think, trying to get to, to keep with Daniel Webster's the metaphor, get their sea legs back. <laughs> I, and to say, look, uh, we remember vaguely what it meant to be a conservative. Fiscal prudence, free trade, limited government, rule of law, good manners. Uh, all of those things were jettisoned over the last four years. And now Republicans are trying to relearn the script. Uh, and let's start with that uh, with that good manners. I think that's uh, something that could apply to to both sides of the political aisle. But surely from Absolutely. the from the uh, Republican side of the the House, the conservatives there. Uh, so, what do you see moving forward uh, then? As as we kind of look at that, uh, of course the the conservatives will go back to those basics of blocking and tackling on free trade and and good uh, financial policy, national debt, and so on. Uh, as a political party, where do you think the Republicans go, uh, knowing there is a uh, a wing uh, 
that still has loyalty to uh, former President Trump. You have the more establishment uh, in the uh, Mitch McConnell's wing of the party. Uh, it seems like there may be a third uh, a third way developing as well. But what do you think that means in terms of of good conservative policy for the future? Well, let me give you a sense of what it means. Governor Ducey of Arizona, he's uh, in the second of his permitted two terms, has firmly, in the New York Times yesterday, firmly rejected the idea that he would run for the Senate. Now, he'd be much the most important, uh, uh, much the most powerful Republican candidate for a Senate election, but uh, the head of the political party in uh, Arizona has just got the Arizona party to censure him for certifying the results of the election, to censure Jeff, former Senator Jeff Flake and John McCain's widow, Cindy McCain, for voting for Biden. They're at each other's throats. Democrats can stand by and watch this this result. Now, I do not know why Senator Portman of Ohio has announced today that he's not going to seek re-election, but I have a feeling it's this. At least a third of uh, Republicans in almost every state are ardent pro-Trump. At least a third of Republicans are ardently anti-Trump. And it is simply impossible to to please the uh, pro-Trump base, and assemble an electoral majority in most states. Arizona's one and Ohio's another. Now, until the Republican Party solves that problem, it's going nowhere. Uh, And and if you add to that, if you add uh, Pat Toomey had uh, already announced his uh, departure in Pennsylvania, another very purple state uh, that uh, also seemed like it would be, uh, he had a tough reelect last go round. So will there be, uh, where do you think that puts the party to? Does it uh, mean no, no national election victories, no statewide election victories? It's going to be difficult. Uh, Some states will be easier than others. Some states will simply be impossible. Uh, I know Pat Toomey well. He's 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 right now an example of an unfortunate truth, which is the ones who would you would most like to stay in in the Senate or in Congress are the ones be, for the very virtues that make them valuable. That they're serious people. They want out because they they I mean they they face this grinding electoral arithmetic. How do you win with a one third of your base at daggers drawn with another third of your base? Yeah, that uh, that that makes for really tough politics for sure. And uh, we're we're of the opinion that we should uh, sharpen way more pencils than knives as uh, as conservatives, uh, and actually try to get to the policy. I couldn't agree more. But uh, it, so the, right now, uh, the Republican Party is in a position where it has to decide. Now, one of the perhaps functions of the the second impeachment, which I think is a very regrettable development, is that uh, it will enable maybe perhaps Mitch McConnell, and because Mitch gives them cover, a lot of others, to vote uh, to uh, uh, convict Mr. Trump, thereby hastening the prospect of putting distance and and daylight between the party and, and Trump which I think is a prerequisite. It's not sufficient, but it's a necessary condition for recuperation. Yeah, so uh, so vital there. And, and uh, one of the things I, w- I wanted to ask you about today is that, it, of course, it seems that more and more we have people using the institutions 
of the Senate or the House or the presidency as their as their own political platforms, uh, as opposed to uh, revered institutions, uh, great deliberative bodies that they they once were. And and are we entering a phase where the the far left and the far right of the current two political parties uh, ends up fracturing them all in a way that uh, creates a, a new kind of politics in the country? I think there is that danger. But let's go back to your initial question: where where are we now? And my answer was: we're back. We could be back to normal politics, arguing about splittable differences. Uh, how much money should be sent to, to people as part of the uh, stimulus? Do we need a stimulus? Uh, infrastructure. I mean, good Lord, there are 435 congressional districts in this country, and every one of them has a construction industry and construction laborers. There's something in it for everybody. Uh, I know it's expensive. I know that legislative bargaining is additive. You support my project, I'll support yours, and all the two of us will support that other guy over there, and, and we'll log roll and we'll get it passed. It's expensive, it's inefficient, but it's civilized, and it gets people back into the habit that they had forgotten they knew of arguing, discussing, and bargaining. Yeah. Yeah, we could definitely use a, a little bit more of that. Uh, and I, uh, I'm i of the opinion they they ought to lock them on the floor of the House and the Senate and make them sit in their chairs and, and actually have those debates and arguments and amendments and votes uh, in front of the American people rather than a few of them uh, ducking behind closed doors. Exactly. And that's one reason why serious legislators like Portman and like Pat Toomey are leaving, because uh, almost all the business nowadays is done not in what's called regular order, which hasn't yeah. been regular for decades. Uh, the committees don't function. The leadership makes the decisions. And again, serious people say this is not a serious job and they leave. Yeah, yeah. that's, uh, again, I've uh, seen so many of uh, them uh, on the train going back and forth between the Russell building and the Capitol uh, head in hands, you know, saying no business in America or anywhere in the world could function or not function the way we do uh, around this place. Right, uh, right. Well, as you as you look uh, ahead, so we now that we kind of have an understanding of of where we are in the in this storm, it is an exhale moment. Uh, one of one of our uh, writers here at the Deseret News said, uh, you know, this may be uh, the opportunity to make politics boring again, <laughs> which I think a lot of people would welcome. Uh, but what exactly you- when when Donald Trump uh, bestowing nicknames hither and yon. Uh, bestowed Sleepy Joe on Biden, a lot of people said, that sounds pretty good to me. Let's have a sleepy president for a while. Uh, and Instead then, of one who's up at 3 a.m. Tweeting, tweeting. That's right. So so where, sh- where should the conversation in the country go? As we look at where the nation re- really is, uh, not where the political leaders claim it is, uh, there, there is a, a big chunk of the, the populace that doesn't want to go back to the, the politics of establishment and the way it was. Uh, what should the conversations be around our dinner table and in our community uh, as it relates to many of these principles that you've written about uh, for so long? Well, let's, let's uh, disassemble the political argument into, into separate topics. Unquestionably, the most important issue in the country to the average voter is health care. Uh, pre-pandemic, let's assume the, the pandemic is going to be taken care of and the economy, I think, is going to erupt with pent-up demand for 
airplane tickets and hotel reservations and white table restaurants and all the rest, let's assume that, that the the recuperative power of the economy is good. The enduring issue, for example, and just this is one is healthcare. Now there is a consensus for all the talk about discord in the country. There's a consensus now that everyone ought to have access to health care, regardless of pre-existing conditions. That did not exist yeah. 10 years ago, that consensus. It does exist now. Uh, we can bargain with that. You can figure out how to do this, you, how, to, how to do this in a country which is well-wedded to employer-provided health insurance. Make it portable, et cetera, et cetera. But these are, these are issues that are not ideologically hot, we're not arguing about capital punishment and abortion. We're arguing about a, a complicated matter that uh, uh, we need to make accommodations on. But change the conversation to subjects like that that people actually care about. I think the Democrats will make a terrible mistake if they say, ah, we know what the country wants. They want Puerto Rican statehood, D.C. statehood, and 15 Supreme Court justices. It's perfect nonsense. That's, exa that's exactly right. And uh, there's so many things like that, whether it is health care. Uh, I actually still believe there's about 94 percent of uh, the immigration policy that everybody agrees on. Uh, but the politicians want to keep it as a wedge issue uh, to raise money and, uh, and run campaigns on. A large majority of Americans, even a small majority of Republicans, believe not just in legalization those who are unauthorized immigrants here, the 11 million, but a path to citizenship. Uh, the DACA program, the protection for those who are brought here as children and have known no other home but this, uh, that that's an 80% issue in the country. There are things to be done because there's far more consensus than, than the discord suggests. Absolutely. Well, George, Will, uh, we always appreciate you coming out of the storm, <laughs> helping us get our sea legs and our bearings right. Uh, always appreciate your writing, your work. It's, uh, it's a big part uh, for us here at the Deseret News and KSL News Radio uh, and for so many across the country. Thanks so much for joining us today. Glad to be with you. Let's do it again. All right. We'll do it again soon. Good. All right. That's the great uh, George Will joining us today. Always appreciate his perspective. Gives you a good sense of where the country is and the principles that can help us move forward. We'll go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour break. When we come back, we're going to talk to a young conservative who has a few ideas about what should come next. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources on a Monday. Great to be with you. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as we round out our hour today, again, a lot of news uh, happening that we'll continue to follow here on KSL News Radio. Uh, Jan Psaki is having a briefing uh, from the, the White House, from the press room, uh, talking about a host of things, uh, including uh, the uh, that President Biden uh, has signed additional 
executive orders. He's up to 29 executive orders now. Uh, that's worrisome to me, regardless of your political persuasion. Uh, it's not a great way to govern. It's not a great way to unite uh, with those that you're going to attempt to govern with. Uh, and we've seen that in the Obama administration. We saw that in the Trump administration, uh, less so in uh, Clinton and Bush administrations. But still, uh, executive orders have been on the rise. Uh, and uh, it is not how governing is supposed to be done. Uh, if you missed any of the uh, hour today, uh, we had a, a great conversation with George Will from uh, the Washington Post, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, New York Times bestselling author, uh, talking about conservatism, where it is and uh, what's going on. And, and George Will is just a, uh, a fascinating uh, individual. He's watched this for so long, uh, for over four decades now. He has uh, penned his uh, twice uh, twice a week. He uh, takes to the pen and uh, writes extensively on what is happening in the nation. And it's not just from a political standpoint. He really gets to what is the, the notion of the nation and, and where is the country and where are the people uh, and so I always appreciate his perspective. We started our conversation earlier this hour uh, talking about where are we? Uh, I had referenced a Daniel Webster quote uh, who, before a uh, a big debate in, in Congress, said, uh, you know, we should be like the, the mariner coming out of a big storm on the sea. Uh, the first thing we should do is figure out where we are <laughs> so we can figure out where we can, uh, how we can get where we actually want to go. And so I, I asked Mr. Will that question uh, as to where where are we? Where is the country right now? Well, I think the country uh, was uh, took a long time waiting to exhale, but I think it did uh, last Wednesday noon. And now where we are is back with normal politics. We're arguing about the stimulus. The Democrats want too much. The conservatives are back in their assigned role in life, which is to be the reality principle. And... Uh, Say there's, you know, it's been well said that uh, the first rule of economics is that scarcity is real, and the first rule of politics is to ignore the first rule of economics. Uh, so re- Republicans are, are, I think, trying to get to, to keep with Daniel Webster's uh, metaphor, get their sea legs back. <laughs> so yeah, that was part of my uh, conversation with George Will uh, earlier this hour, uh, talking about where things actually are, where the country is. Uh, we also t- spent some time talking about uh, what I think is a sad development this morning. Uh, it was announced that uh, Senator Rob Portman from Ohio uh, will not be running for re-election in 2022. Uh, that adds to a growing list uh, of uh, folks who are used to getting things done uh, and have become so frustrated with the process. So I, I asked Mr. Will about that and what does that really mean for the country? Now, I do not know why. Senator Portman of Ohio has announced today that he's not going to seek re-election, but I have a feeling it's this. At least a third of uh, Republicans in almost every state are ardent pro-Trump. At least a third of Republicans are ardent and ardently anti-Trump. And it is simply impossible to, to please the uh, pro-Trump base and assembled an electoral majority in most states. Arizona's one and Ohio's another. Now, until the Republican Party solves that problem, it's going nowhere. I think that's a really interesting forecast uh, from George Will saying that uh, without uh, mending those splits, it really will be uh, difficult, if not impossible, for the Republican Party, as it is currently constituted, uh, to to win statewide elections, to win uh, national elections. 
uh, be, because of that divide, especially in places like Arizona, like Ohio, like Pennsylvania. Uh, those are all going to be really tricky places, difficult places uh, for uh, for Republicans to do well. So there there is going to be uh, a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, will there be different factions of the Republican Party? Will it split into new parties? Uh, will it become more of a coalition kind of governing scenario? Because I, I do think that the left has similar problems. Uh, their their fractures are a little behind uh, where the Republicans are today, uh, but just as real between the far left of the party and the more moderate centrists of the party, uh, there's real tension there. And that will continue to be a tug and pull as the Biden administration rolls forward. And it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out uh, and what what happens there. Uh, one of the things that was encouraging uh, to me from uh, from Mr. Will uh, was this idea that uh, we could get back to governing, where we could have open debates, honest debates, where we could have amendments to bills and uh, real debates and votes in front of the American people. Uh, and George Will said this. Where, where are we now? And my answer was we're back. We could be back to normal politics, arguing about splittable differences. Uh, I know it's expensive. I know that legislative bargaining is additive. You support my project, I'll support yours, and all the two of us will support that other guy over there, and, and we'll log roll and we'll get it passed. It's expensive, it's inefficient, but it's civilized, and it gets people back into the habit that they had forgotten they knew of arguing, discussing, and bargaining. So again, that's uh, my conversation with George Will from earlier, uh, and I just I love that idea of let's debate splittable differences, uh, and and we had a, a conversation about what some of those splittable differences are and where we should go and what that governing looks like as it relates to healthcare, immigration. Uh, let me get some final thoughts here from my conversation uh, with George Will. Let's uh, disassemble the political argument into, into separate topics. Unquestionably, the most important issue in the country to the average voter is health care. Uh, now, there is a consensus for all the talk about discord in the country. There's a consensus now that everyone ought to have access to health care, regardless of pre-existing conditions. That did not exist yeah. 10 years ago, that consensus. It does exist now. We can bargain with that. These are issues that are not ideologically hot. We're not arguing about capital punishment and abortion. We're arguing about a, a complicated matter that uh, we need to make accommodations on. But change the conversation to subjects like that, that people actually care about. I think the Democrats will make a terrible mistake if they say, ah, we know what the country wants. They want Puerto Rican statehood, D.C. statehood, and 15 Supreme Court justices. It's perfect nonsense. There are things to be done because there's far more consensus than, than the discord suggests. Again, that's my uh, conversation with George Will from earlier. We'll have that podcast up on the website here shortly. Uh, but a lot of food for thought there from uh, George Will in terms of where the country is, uh, where it can possibly go next. Uh, and I just love the idea of exploring the splittable differences. Uh, this is not about some kind of kumbaya moment. It's not about a squishy middle uh, of anything, uh, because I believe it's possible to hold on to your principles uh, and compromise. Uh, but for so often, we've allowed our political debate to say those 
things are not compatible. And so we create this incredible false choice of you either have to be yelling and screaming at the other side, or you're just a squishy in the middle uh, and you're, you're working with the enemy. Uh, and that's simply not the case. And we have to reject that as a country. We have to reject that as voters. We have to reject the idea that just because someone compromises with someone from another party to get a piece of legislation done does not mean they need to be primaried in the next election. Uh, the purity tests need to go by the boards. The principles need to prevail. The policy discussion and debate should be rigorous, intense, and lead to a solution for the American people. That's where I think we ought to be. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on KSL News Radio's Inside Sources today. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that'll make a difference. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.